you can subscribe at Substack and get early access to these shows, plus early access to my writings. Just go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack button. This is Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, and I, uh, I think I'm broadcasting live, and I think I have Dr. Peter Chesnowski on. <laughs> And I hear you something, do. so I guess I do. Yes. Welcome. Uh, welcome, Peter. How are you? <laughs> Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I think I, I must have just had a microphone malfunction. My uh, The dials on my computer are not telling me the truth about which microphone is plugged in and working. So <laughs> I think that was what just happened. <laughs> okay, I'm ready when you are. Okay, well, let's go for it. So, so I introduced the show, which probably didn't get broadcast, by mentioning that we're talking about eschatology or the end times from an interfaith perspective tonight. In the second hour, we've got a couple of scholars from the Shia school of Islam, otherwise known as Ahlul Bayt, who will be joined by a Shia convert whose name was Andrew Israel when he was Jewish. But then three Ramadans ago, he converted to Shia Islam and took on the name Muhammad al-Mahdi, which happens to be the name of the Mahdi, that is, the um, 12th imam who is expected by Shia Muslims to come back, fight a battle with the Antichrist and pave the way for the second coming of Jesus. So that's the second hour. And now in the first hour, with you, we're with you, Dr. Peter Chechenowski of SisterLucyTruth.org to talk about the end time scenarios relating to the apparitions of Fatima and particularly that third secret of Fatima, which may or may not have been fully revealed around the turn of the millennium. Uh, and then the alleged disappearance of the real Sister Lucy, one of the three recipients of the message of Fatima. And that's what you've devoted your website, SisterLucyTruth.org, to. So let's yes. let's talk about that stuff. Uh, where do we begin, Peter? Great. Well, I think it's important to realize um, for us, well, as a Catholic, um, and anyone in the world who remembers or has heard about Fatima, that um, this was a a big news item, even at the time when there was the apparitions in 1917. Um, The New York Times reported on the miracle of the sun at Fatima. And, you know, I'm sorry, Peter, I'm not hearing you now. And I don't know what, what just happened. Uh, we were just talking about the New York Times reporting on the miracle of the sun at Fatima, this uh, amazing vision or apparition that appeared to these three young shepherds in Fatima, Portugal. And then suddenly you cut out. Maybe the Antichrist doesn't like us talking about this stuff. (laughs) Uh, And I assume it's just you that cut out, not me. Um, Okay, I'm going to ask, am I still broadcasting? To see whether it's just me again. I have no idea whether Dr. Peter is still talking. I can't hear him. Please leave your message for 5093156. So we'll, we'll have to keep calling calling Peter back uh, to hear more about that. Uh, it's this, this interesting, it's really interesting that this apparition happened in a town called Hello, Fatima. Doctor? Yeah, hi. hi. hi Are Peter. you there? Sorry okay, I, I don't know what happened. My phone went crazy, but... Um, Huh, so that's, I, think, I think the Antichrist up. is missing, messing with our technology. Today. I don't know. I, you just got totally overcome by uh, another call. But um, 
so there was this buildup uh, to the revelation of this third secret, which was supposed to happen in 1960. And again, as we speak about, you know, these apocalyptic uh, ideas and prophecies, everyone knew that there was some apocalyptic element to the third secret. Um, she uh, basically, Sister Lucy, who had become a Dorothean nun um, in uh, Spain, first of all, and then. Hello, Peter. I think Peter's uh, he, he just had to accept another call from the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I, I don't know about these cell phones. I'm glad I don't have one. I have a hard enough time just dealing with my uh, laptop and, and microphone that when you plug it in, it tells you it's plugged in and operating and everything. Tell The dials are working and everything. But somehow it's not uh, putting the sound in the computer from whence it can go to the network and into your ears. The wonders of technology. You know, the question of whether uh, technology is the Antichrist, that's, that's a good subject for another show. And I, I definitely have some people I could bring on to talk about that. But tonight we're talking about eschatology from a more traditionally religious perspective. At least I think we're talking about it if we can get Dr. Peter back on. Uh, so whoever whoever uh, <laughs> keeps calling him and knocking him off the program should uh, should stop. So I, I was saying, as we were interrupted last time, that it's interesting that Fatima, Portugal, was the place where these apparitions happened in 1917, because Fatima is the name of the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him's daughter, who became the kind of conduit of the progeny of, uh, of the Prophet, who became the Shia imams. And the problem of the sort of inheritance of the prophetic mission and the leadership of the Muslim community became the issue that divided Islam to a certain extent. Uh, today, this, you know, this much ballyhooed divide between Sunni and Shia Muslims is the current version of these various sort of identity issues that arose in the wake of the struggle for succession to the leadership of the Muslim community. And so Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet, played a key role in this. And the 12 imams who are these holy figures of Shia Islam are all the grandchildren and grandchildren of Fatima. And so Muhammad al-Mahdi, the, uh, the Mahdi, that is the, the rightly guided one who will return to battle the Antichrist and pave the way for the return of Jesus, is in fact the descendant of Fatima. And so it's interesting that Fatima Portugal. Please leave your message for five zero nine. Apparition happened. Um, it's also interesting that Peter's cell phone suddenly has gone on the blink, uh, and uh, maybe uh, again this. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that this kind of topic would really get people upset. I, I would think that. Are you I, there? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, are, are you going to reveal the third secret I, to us tonight and somebody doesn't want to? What's going on? I've never had this happen ever before. You keep getting cut well, out well, by well, why someone you just from reveal California. The quickly while you still can before they have to kill you. Yeah, I know. It's always from, yeah, you expect the Antichrist from California, that's for sure. That's but uh, um, anyways, um, so it wasn't revealed and everyone wonders why. And clearly, um, if Sister Lucy had lived uh, past 1960, you would think that she would come forward because it was 
given to her to reveal the third secret by 1960. She was entrusted with the secret. She was entrusted with the whole message of Fatima, which is one of, you know, prayer and penance and uh, conversion. And, um, And <laughs> not again, not again. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, I think we should tell the NSA and, and their boss, the Antichrist, that Peter is not actually going to be revealing Hello? the, the third this... secret of Fatima tonight. Hey, hey great. I, I, I just, I just reassured the NSA that you were not really going to re- reveal the third secret. <laughs> no, they brought you back. Maybe it's because we're searching for documents from the FBI and CIA and they know they know something's up. But uh, which we actually are. But anyways, we believe Sister Lucy Truth. We uh, we 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 see that we've we've we when I started looking at the pictures finally made available by the Internet of Sister Lucy uh, all the way back to before 1917 and then looking at them up to her death in 2005, her supposed death, it was clear that there was a problem that did, there didn't seem to be a continuity. Be- There's not much continuity in this conversation either. If you're going to keep cutting out, Peter, <laughs> cut it out. Or maybe I shouldn't. I, hello. Yeah. I, I don't, I have no idea. This has never happened before. Um, Do you still have a payphone on your corner? I guess probably yeah. not. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm walking around my room and uh, with my phone in my hand and I've never had this happen. Did your but, wife have a phone or anything? Um, so <laughs> the, the purpose of Sister Lucy Truth is to see whether there is this, scientifically, uh, whether there is this continuity of individual, because from the woman who appeared in 1967 with Paul VI at Fatima at the 50th anniversary um, at, of the apparition, uh, clearly there was a problem that that did not seem like the original sister Lucy. And when we have. Sub- hmm. Okay. Well, um, in the meantime, if people want to look at some of this evidence themselves, they can go to sister Lucy org, and you could click on the evidence and look at the, the facial math measurements and so on and so forth. Uh, you can look at the interviews. Um, you can look at some some video translations. There's uh, all kinds of interesting stuff, even handwriting analysis. Please leave your message for Dental five report. zero nine three one. Photo galleries. This is actually, you know, this is like Jim Fetzer. You know, if Jim Fetzer had something like this for Paul McCartney, um, he he would be rolling in ecstasy. I mean, he loves this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm surprised Jim hasn't been talking about Sister Lucy with Peter before. But Hello. Yeah, Peter's I, 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 I don't know. Sale. I my, my phone is being attacked. Um, oh man! But uh, so there, there's when we put it to when we put all the photographic handwriting uh, analysis uh, evidence before these scientific experts, it it came out clearly and definitively that there was a discontinuity that the individual who originally received the apparitions at Fatima in 1917 was not the same individual that appeared with Paul VI at Fatima. Mm -hmm. 
and and uh, it, on the website at, at sisterlucytruth.org, you can see that the pre-1967 Sister Lucy uh, does seem to look quite different. Uh, Please from leave your message. Post, uh, the post-1967 one. The pre-1967 Sister Lucy, she looks kind of Moroccan, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but... Um... The, um, I was just, so I've been looking the one at, that, at the, at the, the one that supposedly died in 2005 from mm-hmm. the woman who appeared from 1967 and died in, in 2005 was not uh, the authentic and real Sister Lucy. So what we've shown scientifically and we put the evidence, we make all our evidence public and we put it on our website, sisterlucytruth.org. Uh, we clearly show that there was this discontinuity and that the scientists, the experts, the maxillofacial surgeons, all. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can kind of see this with your own eyes as well. You know, people can go to sisterlucytruth.org and find their way to the photo gallery. And uh, they sure look different to me. Like uh, the the post-1967 Sister Lucy is uh is very you know european white uh and kind of you know plump in a certain way with a different shape of a face and everything um in fact it's it's really it's kind of surprising that uh you could have such two kind of obviously different looking individuals being passed off as the same person uh so i i'm you know basically just you know i'm not an expert on this i barely hello 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 it looks looks kind of legit to me yeah peter hi i was just uh just saying that you're you know the stuff you have on your website looks uh fairly convincing on on the face of it as it were we look at the face of these two sister lucy's and they sure sure do look different yeah yes and uh the, the biggest thing is um you know the big question is well why was she disappeared if you will we don't know how she was gotten rid of whether she was sort of sequestered in a in a convent somewhere or she was murdered or you know she died naturally or she put someone else and someone else was put in her place we don't know that yet this this investigation is still on hmm. well I'm, I'm sure curious about it um and it's to me, this is a little more plausible than, than Jim Fetzer's Paul is dead theory, because there's sort of no motivation really for that, especially if you see it as sort of just a random thing where Paul uh, blew his brains out in a car and then they quickly said, well, let's replace Paul. Hey, we just found uh, somebody who looks just like him, who plays perfect left handed bass, uh, even better musician than, than the original Paul. Bring on fall. You know, that whole theory just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But this one. Uh, kind of does because there there was a big problem with that Fatima thing, especially the third secret of Fatima that they were so terrified to release, and they finally then claim they released it uh, around 2000, and there's no reason really why what they released would be something that would ever have been covered up in the first place. So the whole story is really shaky, and so there's something fishy going on. And Sister Lucy was sort of rebelling against the church. You know, she had differences of opinion with uh, with popes and and uh, and her spiritual directors and such. And then suddenly she became just basically a submissive mouthpiece of Vatican II right at the time that she changed. So this is this, there's a kind of a prima facie argument here that bears scrutiny. 
Um, it's it's not kind of self-evidently bizarre like some of the Paul is dead theories. I mean, maybe there's some more coherent Paul is oh, dead yeah, theories. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm always here, but are you're you not. There? Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I don't know where I was. Well, you know, this, this is this is actually probably this is great because like, you know, Alex Jones, he loves to interrupt his guests all the time. So he gets to talk. Most <laughs> of the time. And, and I, I think Alex, is, yeah, he's at the yeah, control board here. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry for this. It's never happened before. But um, I, I hope I hope some of what I've said, basically, we're in about we're in, we have an investigation into the identity theft of Sister Lucy Dos Santos of Fatima, and there must have been, a, and obviously the crime could not have been committed, but with, unless the Vatican signed off on it, and we know that for certain, anyone who knows the Catholic Church knows that uh, the case with such a high-profile individual, and therefore, you know, we point the finger at them, and uh, we're searching for DNA evidence, and... Um, this is an ongoing investigation. I mean, we still have more reports to put up, and we're, we're searching for DNA uh, evidence at this time, and uh, we're even looking through uh, U.S. government documents that have been declassified. And so it's a very serious thing, and uh, if, since her identity was stolen, it's a very sad thing. A very tragic thing, and we just ask ourselves, well, why? And and that's right, the million-dollar question. So what would possibly be the motive for something like this? Well, because the old Sister Lucy wouldn't play along, I believe. You know, this is how I interpret it. People can interpret it as they want. The old Sister Lucy would not play along with uh, remaking the Catholic faith and the Catholic religion into something that's simply a tool of the New World Order of a secular order focused on uh, some kind of earthly, uh, achieving some kind of earthly utopia. And uh, she would never have signed off onto that. But the new Sister Lucy, the one that appeared after 1967, signed off on everything that the Vatican did uh, from 1967 on and up until her death in 2000, uh, 2005. So... Um, this is, I think this is clearly the reason uh, why she was eliminated. Who was involved in it, we still don't know. Uh, the interesting thing, she disappeared from a Carmelite convent who, uh, in Portugal, in Coimbra, and the, the Carmelite convent, uh, are, those nuns are cooperators with Opus Dei. So clearly nothing could have been done without Opus Dei, without their, you know, connivance. And uh, therefore we challenge them to, uh, you know, look at our evidence and to try to explain the obvious difference between the uh, new Sister Lucy and the old Sister Lucy. Right. And yeah, that's, that's interesting. What's, what's critical for us is not... We're not even looking at the theology. That's something else, and the, the writings and the attitude and the whole demeanor. We're just looking into the physical aspects, the, even the handwriting aspects, which are physical aspects, and the, the facial aspects and the demeanor, and, and the, the results are clear. This is not the same individual. 
we have the report. We have several reports of um, Lois Gibson, who has the Guinness Book of World Records for identifying the most um, criminals based on her forensic art. She's also uh, a specialist in dentistry and facial reconstruction. And uh, she said to us clearly in various emails, it is impossible that these two individuals be the same person. So the one who, who appeared in the 1950s and 1940s and before, it is impossible that she be the same person as appeared from 1967 on. So um, these, these are people who don't have anything invested in the whole question. And we have others who, of course, have no connection to the Catholic religion at all. And um, they, all, they all say the same thing. And what's amazing is that many of them say, well, why hasn't this been looked into before? This is so clear to us from our own perspective, from our own specialty. Why hasn't such a, such a famous individual, why hasn't this been looked into before? But, you know, Kevin, before the Internet, the, the pictures, the photos, the information was not as readily available and could not be as readily compared. Now, in our age, one of the positive things is that we can look at this information and make these and make judgments. And the frightening judgment is that something happened to the, to the seer of Fatima, and uh, we're wondering what did. Well, I wonder... We're trying to find out what did. I wonder what the, the third secret... Uh, has to do with this because uh, apparently if your theory is correct the uh, replacement or the imposter was around um, after that third secret or the alleged third secret was revealed in about 2000 sure. i think and she lived a few more years absolutely. and did, did and did she basically agree that yes that was it absolutely she agreed to when it was first announced and that's in that it was going to be revealed uh, she was in the audience and she was uh, clapping. And when part of it was part of what they would reveal was spoken of, uh, she was cheering and seemed to be cheering and going along. And then uh, when Cardinal Bertone uh, went with her with an envelope that was supposed to contain the, the third secret and had, you know, Sister Lucy's writing on the outside, uh, this woman, whoever it was, pretending to be Sister Lucy, said that yes, this is my, this is my work. This is this is the secret. So she played along perfectly. She's a very bad actress. If you actually look the the pictures and study the history and the person of the real Sister Lucy of Fatima, she has this air of holiness and this of this extraordinary modesty that is just the opposite of what you see in the imposter who they brought out in 1967, who, if you look at our evidence, you see that the, this woman is, a, is about 20 years younger than the real sister Lucy would have been. And, um, and she has none of the characteristics at all, never mind facial characteristics. The real sister Lucy, you know, she she was a saint, and also um, she had this peasant Portuguese peasant sort of attitude, and you know facial characteristics, and 
And the new one looks like sort of, you know, an actress, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's like, it's like uh, they were making a movie of it and they cast some actress in the role. Exactly, exactly. And very poor, very uh, someone who cannot imitate. I mean, it's very hard to imitate a saint. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so some of us I never want to put on plays of saints because you can't imitate them, and um, and so you can't. You know, she was a very poor actress. She played along. She was like, she took the spot of Sister Lucy, but that wasn't her. And we have a nun here up in Spokane who she was a young girl in 1967. She remembers watching the TV. And she said, and she had read a lot of books about Fatima. And when the the pic, the image of Sister Lucy with Paul VI at Fatima appeared on the screen, she immediately said, that's not Sister Lucy. And she ran to her mother and said, no, look at the chin. That's not Sister Lucy at all. And the mother sort of, you know, the, in 67, no, 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 don't, you know, don't, don't, you're... You know, you just forget about it. Don't worry about it. That's the real Sister Lucy there with the Pope, right? So, uh, <laughs> but she recognized it and she told me, she told me in the last year that this, that she had a, had this experience way back in 1967. So people could recognize it then, but, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who speak about Fatima and investigate Fatima hardly any, none, except for those on the fringes, all right, uh, have ever pointed the finger and said, that is clearly not the same woman who, you know, who saw the Blessed Virgin Mary at Fatima in 1917, that there's obviously a discontinuity. There's a, and that's, that's very important because, the Fatima message has been changed, has been altered, and the seriousness of it has been um, dissipated and forgotten. So mm-hmm. it's a very serious thing, and you know, even well, well maybe uh, you re- of, remind the listeners what, about the message. What what is this this serious message? Um, you know, many people probably you know haven't studied it very closely. Right. Well. Well. Um, the big, the big message is sin, <laughs> that mankind has displeased God, and that he's, he's, mankind is drawing the, the, cha, drawing ch, the divine chastisements down upon itself, and that if we, are, if we avoid God and, and do not reform our lives, that, that we're going to have consequences not only in this world and in our nation states, but also personally. I mean, she speaks of the fires of hell. That's actually the first uh, secret of Fatima. And so this emphasis on spiritual renewal, this emphasis on faith uh, is a central part of the message of, of Fatima and real conversion. And, you know, also as we should, there's a political element because Russia has a very big role in the message of Fatima. You know, um, a huge role because basically uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary indicated that it would be through the conversion of Russia and its 
spiritual renewal that the world would be, you know, have a restoration of faith and a, and a period of peace. And, well, that, that's um, a dangerous message today because that, we're, yeah, they're demonizing Russia precisely. Dangerous. Yeah, they're, they're demonizing ahead. Russia because Russia is representing these uh, traditional religious values. It's returned. It, you yes. know, they've left communism, and they're kind of slowly finding their way back to traditional religious values, and that sure. cuts against the grain of the New World Order. Absolutely. And, you know, there is a story, there is a story that, you know, some would testify to, some say, well, we're not quite sure, but that uh, Vladimir Putin himself went to Francis in Rome and asked for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, in accordance with, you know, the, our, the Blessed Virgin Mary's request at Fatima. And, uh, he, and then Francis said, well, we'll not speak about Fatima. Really? Oh, man. <laughs> and, well, you know, this, uh, yeah, this kind a of definite story yeah. coming from a decent source. Um, <laughs> but... Wow. Um, whether that actually happened or not, clearly you wonder, you know, when you look at these secular churchmen who just care about, you know, the environment and which is the latest thing, uh, and rather than spiritual salvation, which is the whole purpose of the church. And the, 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 two, and the two topics could, could go together, of course, right? Maybe the reason we're destroying Absolutely. the environment is because our souls are so messed Absolutely, up. Absolutely, yeah. Nothing against envir- the environment. However, that's not the, if, if, if the church speaks about anything like that, it's, it's as a consequence of her moral teaching and her, you know, doctrinal portrayal of what the world's about and what human life's about. Um, but um, these current churchmen have clearly given up the fundamentals of uh, the Catholic religion. And they know they knew at the time in 1958 that Sister Lucy would have been sort of the rallying point of those who refused to go along with the 60s revolution that would come to the church. And um even John the 23rd in 1962, when he was opening the Vatican Council II, he specifically spoke of the prophets of doom, that we were not going to follow the prophets of doom. And uh, instead, you know, there's this utopian future that mankind has now opened up, and he's, um, you know, finally going to come into his own. And um, so uh, clearly... One of the the children of Fatima were amongst those prophets of doom, no doubt, and um, no doubt the survivor, Sister Lucy, if she was, uh, we believe she was already removed from the scene uh, by then in 1962. But clearly, you know, he was pointing the finger at those who 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 believed the the third secret pointed to some dark times ahead for mankind from the people that I spoke to personally, um, who, for example, there was a Cardinal Cardinal Chappi who said that the third secret had to do with the apostasy in the church coming from the very top. And, um, so you can see why the Vatican might want to suppress if you're in the wrong mood or if you're, if you're one of those who it's coming from, 
um, you're going to want to suppress that, that secret. And um, I think that that's exactly what they did because what they revealed in 2000 could not have been the, the important secret, the apocalyptic secret, the, you know, the fascinating item that everyone was expecting. Right. It's a very bland, pious vision if you've read it. Yeah. 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 Why, why would they suppress that? Why would anybody be so uh, devastated by that? There are popes who supposedly like broke down and cried for days after seeing it and things like that. Um, Right. It makes no sense. Yeah. And yeah, so 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 Peter, write it down. yeah, how, how, how do you deal with the this issue around Catholicism that has been it's arisen from you know all kinds of you know basically all of the non-Catholic perspectives uh, differ from sort of the standard Catholic perspective, and I you know I I've discussed this with my Catholic friends like Dr. E. Michael Jones, who's going to be on my False Flag Weekly News tomorrow. Uh, that is, if if you're a uh, kind of a standard Catholic uh, like Dr. Jones, you believe that everything that the Pope does is, uh, you know, when he says something ex cathedra, it's, it's true. Yes. It's guaranteed this guarantee that yeah. the Catholic sort of structure, the top of the power structure of the Catholic church is, is, uh, is protected. It's always going to be right. Now, those of us who are yes. not Catholics find this uh, kind of obviously wrong. And <laughs> there have been so many uh, diabolical well, popes. Uh, they, my reading of history, such as it is, suggests that when Catholicism began, it was a political power play, not some divinely guided process of goodness and sweetness and light. And uh, so I, I would side with people like, say, in the Russian Orthodox Church, of course, as well as uh, my fellow Muslims, who uh, who think that like like uh, Dostoevsky and Tolstoy, both in, from their very different perspectives of Russian Orthodox belief, uh, they thought that Catholicism was basically not much different from Freemasonry, that both of these Western schools were ultimately these esoteric uh, materialist schools that were interested in creating worldly power. Like in, in the Grand Inquisitor story in Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, uh, the top of the Catholic hierarchy is in league with a sort of Freemasonic element that's dedicated to forcing people to be happy. You will, he will own nothing and be happy. We're going to make all your decisions for you. Uh, and, and that's that. We're going to create a material paradise here on earth. No more spiritual struggles and travails and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so he's ready to kill Jesus to do that in the Grand Inquisitor. And so that's the critique yeah. of Catholicism coming from, from yeah. non-Catholics. So you're, I guess you're, in the Catholic world, how do you deal with that problem sure. about whether the church well, and the I think, Pope are protected? Um, well, first of all, it's important to realize that uh, just because you are morally bad doesn't mean that you're, you've fallen away from the church or that you've, um, you know, apostatized. There's two different things. You could be the worst person morally and still be, you know, a sinner within the church. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, moral, yeah, yeah, we Muslims have that too. Problems yeah. of popes like I, you know, I adultery or you know, so cruelty or something is not does not separate you from the church. Doctrinal heresy and apostasy does, and that's so that's what we're, we're looking at. And but with regard to your broader question. Um, the church really is meant for this spiritual purpose, 
and it's the salvation of souls. And, you know, it's important because there, it's so specific. It is specific for the Catholic religion that there is a papacy with certain powers and certain uh, abilities, and he is, the Pope is supposed to guide all men and uh, to salvation and to truth. And we do believe that the, that the Holy Ghost guides uh, the Church. And the, co- the question is, you know, do these men really, who, who, have, who deviate, uh, are they part of the Church or not? And that's a huge question, especially with regard to these modern popes uh, who, who obviously try to take the Church in a different direction. But, um, no, I mean, there's, the thing is, the church has been martyrs all, you know, the church has plenty of martyrs, and every day, you know, I read my missal where the martyrs are at the, in the hands of the brutal state, and just because they adhere to their faith, they are going to be submitted to the most horrendous uh, tortures, and that's the typical situation of the church i mean the idea that it's that it's all powerful is really to me absurd looking back at history and um it's more likely on you know under the gun and um under persecution as i believe it is now with regard to the you know the infiltration of masonry and the desire of the liberal New World Order to basically eliminate the Catholic religion and eliminate the Catholic faith, because they know that the authentic Catholic faith does not speak of any kind of earthly paradise, in fact, the opposite. This is a, you know, a via doloroso that uh, is, is, we are to pass through in, um, in our way towards, in our way towards achieving heaven. But um, I think I think the, the idea that the church is all powerful, you know, I have been trained by the Jesuits for a long time, you know, in my, in my past, just laugh at the idea that the Jesuits, you know, are are a great power that, um, you know, can can manipulate the world. I, I think that's an mm-hmm. absurd idea. Mm-hmm. And one interesting thing is that the Jesuits were really the opponents of the uh, take uh, the revolutionary movements that were, you know, totalitarian and um, secularist uh, that took over the world, you know, beginning in the 1700s. And therefore, because of the, the machinations of the Masons in the royal courts of Europe, they were suppressed you know, until, until they were revived in 1814. And that was a, that was a great blow to the church, but, um, you know, they, they were suppressed, but the church, but remember, you know, since the 17th, since the 1700s, the church, the papacy especially has been the main voice, I believe, against calling out the Freemasons and the infiltrations of the Freemasons and the machinations of the Freemasons. I mean, until... Not not so much anymore, though, is it? No, 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 no. And that's what I said about these moderns. 
who you know are in Rome um, at the you know this supposedly the excommunication against joining Masonry was lifted by John Paul II, who was a favorite of you know the fake Sister Lucy. Uh, during the 1980s, he listed that excommunication. But uh, traditionally speaking, you had to be a, I mean, if you were a Freemason and had joined a Masonic sect, you were autom- automatically excommunicated. How then did Propaganda Due, or the P2 Freemasonic Lodge, get control yeah. of the Vatican finances as early as the early 1950s? Uh, well, I don't know that it well, probably because of the, yes, well, probably, especially in the 1970s, I know, you know, under Paul VI, but, you know, a big, a big element was World War II and the fact that in, 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 um, in World War II and in Italy, the United States came up on top and um, whereas Mussolini had abolished Freemasonry and forbidden Freemasonry, you know, when the British and the Americans went from town to town, from Sicily on up, uh, a Masonic lodge was established in each town as they went, sort of bringing that ideology and that occult organization with them. So, but, but, um, you know, prior to that, the church had, I mean, the church condemned it, and uh, but I think through the influence of the CIA in the United States that uh, that whole that whole thing was revived in Italy and came to uh, prominence again until until basically 1970s and early 1980s it was practically running the country and you know then we have to ask the huge question was John the 23rd and Paul VI, who were so, you know, critical in this movement of the church towards a the new world order, uh, were they Masons themselves? And I think there's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that they were. Interesting. Well, you know, I, I interviewed Paul Williams on his book, Operation Gladio, the unholy alliance between the Vatican, the CIA, and the mafia, which gets into how the CIA took over the drug-running uh, Asian trade recognizing that it would provide a huge pipeline of untraceable funds and they needed to launder it. And they ended up laundering it through the Vatican bank with the help of the P2 Masonic Lodge. Uh, So essentially the CIA controls most of the world's drug trade has done so ever since World War II. And their biggest single money laundry since then has been the Vatican bank. This is kind of shocking information to people who, who didn't know it previously. It is is shocking. And, uh, and, um, and I and I I have you know and recently when thinking through these issues and that uh, that have been raised since we started investigating the Sister Lucy problem, I wonder if 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 Operation Gladio was somehow involved in her disappearance. It would not surprise me at all. So so the corruption. We, we have a document. Yeah. We have yeah. an, we have a telegram from uh, Zellerbach, who was um, the U.S. ambassador to Italy. Uh, to John Foster Dulles from October October 11th, 1958, which says specifically that the three main traditionalist cardinals, what I'd call traditionalist Catholic cardinals, um, that they might be elected, and that election would not be favorable to 
the U.S. position and for its, you know, desire for a prudent world order. I'm just sort of paraphrasing. But in other words, to elect those those who upheld traditional Catholic doctrine uh, for that, the election of those, any of those men, you'd have a big problem. And therefore, we needed government officials in the U.S. needed to lean on the three U.S. cardinals to make sure that these traditionalists weren't elected. And, you know, well, here's a conspiracy for you. Here's a conspiracy for you. Um, Three hours before one of those cardinals was the one from Detroit uh, was going to go into the conclave in in October, on October 25th, 1958, he died. Three hours. Three, three hours before. I mean, how do you make the plane trip over in 1958 from Detroit and get to Rome and you settle in and three hours before you're supposed to go into this critical conclave that the U.S. government has said is so important, you die. Well, we now know, thanks to COVID, that uh, people just keel over, like on soccer fields. Healthy young people can just die suddenly for no particular reason. So I suppose we shouldn't be too suspicious, right? Right. I, well, it, <laughs> <laughs> it could it could be, but, um, I mean, there's always a possibility. But it's very suspicious, and that those and that those cardinals probably were the ones that tipped the election uh, one way or the other. And I, and I, you know, we've, we've been in touch with Paul Williams, who I find fascinating, who, um, who's spoken with us and we're still trying to get the hold of those documents that he mentions in those book in his books. Um, mm-hmm. we're at this very moment trying to get the CIA and the FBI to come forward with those documents that we've requested. Um, Interesting. Well, well, quick, we're getting close to the end of the show. And so I'd I'd kind of like to get your take on the uh, end times um, speculation, you know, that, that, uh, you know, Christians and Muslims both agree that Jesus is the one and only Messiah who will be returning. And the uh, the Jewish uh, tradition has traditionally been very hostile to Jesus and they they deny that he was Messiah, and they say terrible calumnies against him, and they say that their their Messiah will be a military conqueror who will subjugate the Goyim, that is the non-Jewish tribes, and rule over the world from Jerusalem after they rebuild their temple. So that's kind of the traditional yes. Jewish messianic position. And right. uh, then there's the satanic Jewish messianic position founded by uh, Sabtai Zvi, uh, in his, his career peaked in the year 1666. And that is basically this kind of satanic Zionist position that we're not going to have, rather than having God uh, bring on the Messiah, we're going to rebel against God and join Satan. And that rebellion will create the return to Zion. That's what Zionism actually is. So my interpretation mm-hmm. of the end times is that, okay, so the, the Mahdi will uh, fight Zionism, which is the Antichrist, um, right. and, and then Jesus will return. So given that, why do so many Christians yes. side with the Antichrist instead of with Jesus? You mean in supporting the state of Israel? <laughs> the state of Israel is Antichrist, right? So why, why, why do Christians support Antichrist? Well, the, the question, yeah, well, the question is, you know, are they really Christian, those who do? 
that's the real question. But uh, I think what I'm doing, investigating the Sister Lucy situation, plays a some uh, you know it plays into that. And because really, according to Saint Paul, there has to be the great falling away first. There has to be the great apostasy before the Antichrist comes. And I I mean we're clearly living in a great apostasy throughout the world. The, sure. the belief in God and the respect for God has been, has been eliminated. And, you know, the, the forces of secularism and have been, are triumphant. So the great apostasy has come. And even if we look, it was in the precincts of the church, but um, the antichrist, you know, is the next, the only question is, is the Antichrist next, or will there be a restoration before the coming of Antichrist? And um, we'd like to know that third secret, and I, I think that um, that's why we're, we're sort of interested in it, and we want to, you know, try to force, uh, if you can, force the Vatican to come clean with what it's been keeping to itself. But no, I find it, I find it absurd that in the political discourse of the Western world, that the that the real faith is not the basis for political action and uh, political ideology. Rather, it's this you know liberal Zionist view of a utopian world, and uh, that's that's the substitute in our day for real uh, Christian social teaching. And I find it, I find it hard to believe. I think the United States is totally dominated by this, um, by this ideology, and uh, we're, it's hard to get anything else out. That's why. That's why you're on you this know, radio show. We've gotten of... <laughs> practically no support. Yeah. We've got yeah. very little support from our own people because we we threaten to overturn the apple cart. And this, this, you know, this ideology. It, of, it's all rotten apples anyway. Yeah. Might as well overturn it. <laughs> That's right. Right. Might as well overturn it. But um, no, we we see clearly how that. Um, but the frightening thing is that they can eliminate, you know, the messengers of holiness and the messengers of God, seemingly so easily. And you know, we have to be there here on the periphery, shouting out the things that are so basic to humanity and so obvious and yet we're shouting from the periphery and that's what sort of surprises me in a way but also you know obviously in god's providence we were meant to move forward and shout from the periphery like yeah we're voices like of john, truth like crying, john the crying Baptist, in the wilderness right Right. Yeah, the from the wilderness, voice of prophetic like one truth shouting in the wilderness like St. John the Baptist. But yeah. that's what we're doing, and we're going to do it until we can't do it anymore. And uh, because Amen, we, brother. We know well, you know, we hit the end of the show. We've got the bumper music going, and um, I guess okay. uh, Allah intervened and, and uh, fixed your telephone. <laughs> so it's been a great conversation. Sure. Thank you so much, uh, Peter. Thank I really you. enjoyed the conversation. I find your material uh, fascinating and disturbing and, and all you. too plausible. Take care. Thank you. Dr. Chesnowski of SisterLucyTruth.org will continue talking about end times matters and eschatology and all of that in the second hour. So stick around.